Well, you've all gone very quiet now. That's, uh, that's quite something. Aaron, you missed a big Crystal Palace moment while you were taking children out. So, uh, but there, you get another one now. Um, I was chatting with one of my friends who leads the church in Eastbourne this morning on Instagram. And he, uh, he said he's got to rush out the door at midday. He's wearing his palace shirt um, while he preaches so he can get up to Wembley for, uh, for the afternoon. I don't know why I'm talking about palace. I'm a Brighton fan. Um, and why am I talking about football anyway? It's Easter Sunday and Jesus is alive. Happy Easter. Uh, Feliz Pascoa if you're Portuguese. Um, if you speak Spanish, my Spanish is non-existent. Um, Felices Pascuas. Felices Pascuas. <laughs> How was that? It's okay? Oh, it's good. Hey, we got a thumbs up. So I appreciate you uh, giving me some encouragement. Um, you're, you're very kind. Um, thank you so much for uh, gathering with us today on this, this Sunday. If you're a guest here, please fill in one of our Connect cards. The, um, the, the guys in the, in the yellow T-shirts and jackets as you head down for cake and tea and coffee and all that afterwards. We'll gladly give you a Connect card. We'd love to keep in touch with you uh, and let you know what's, uh, what's happening particularly over the summer, um, uh, so that you can uh, join in and take your next uh, steps uh, around this, uh, this community, this local church here in Crawley. Um, we've got, for those of you who have been uh, with us over the, the last few Sundays or uh, in and out over the last few months, we've got our next Connect lunch coming up on May the 1st, so not next Sunday, the Sunday after, where we're inviting everyone who's new to us to come and uh, stay after a church for a brief lunch. We'll share a little bit about who we are, uh, what's going on, some of our vision and values, and again, how you can take your next steps in finding out more about what it means to join the local church. Thank you for my bottle of water. Uh, so two weeks' time, Connect Lunch. Um, if you're new and you think, is that for me? Yeah, that's, that's for you. Uh, you can put that down in your diary, uh, and we'd love to have a, a short lunch with you. Uh, in two weeks. Brilliant. Well, turn in your Bibles, please, if you've got a Bible with you, to Ephesians chapter 2. And this Easter Sunday message is called Raised with Christ. May he say that? Well done. You're you're awake. That's good news. You're not just thinking uh, as Jack was about your roast lamb, thick gravy. It was the thick gravy that got me. Um, And the mint sauce. But we're aware, no, Jesus is alive and we have been raised with Christ. Listen, for you today, I've got a, an Easter message about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That if it's true, then it's utterly central and completely important um, for you and I to build our lives. Up. Whether you would already call yourself a follower uh, of Jesus or whether you are already following Jesus, there's no more important message to hear than the fact that Jesus has been raised and we have been raised with him. Um, it's urgent news and it's good news and I'm here to share it with you this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, screen if you've not got the Bible, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, in a very nice part of Turkey. If you ever go uh, near the Med Coast in Turkey for a holiday, uh, now we come in the first century. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, um, he's speaking to the church here, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live. Okay, you don't live in them now, uh, but you used to live in your sins and you used to be dead in your sins. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom, yeah, the spirit who is now at work in those of us who are disobedient. Uh, 
often when we read in the scriptures and we read about the Spirit, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you'll find in your English translations of the Bible, whenever the Spirit is mentioned with a lowercase s, not a capital S, it's a clue there. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. This is a Spirit who leads us into and he's already given us a clue this spirit is a demonic spirit it comes from Satan maybe it's even Satan himself okay so formally this is who you were church um, you were under the authority of this spirit he was at work in you uh, and in your disobedience all of us also lived among them verse 3 at one time gratifying uh, the cravings of our sinful nature following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature objects of wrath But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. I hear a little cheer and a whoop there. This is good news. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ uh, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, or handiwork, as some of the old translations say. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And just flip out Romans uh, chapter 6. Again, Paul, Paul writing again, the Apostle Paul writing to the in Rome, uh, if you've got summer plans, it's a great city to visit. Uh, like uh, a travel log this morning, isn't it? Uh, what should we say then, Paul says? Shall we go on sinning, 6 verse 1, so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, if we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. You you notice Paul says, don't you know? He asked these questions early on. And now he's saying, for we know, we know, we are certain, we're sure. Are you sure about this church? For we know that our old self. Crucified with him, with Jesus, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die. Death, has no, no, death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Count yourselves dead sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Wow. Amen. What amazing verses. We, we could spend uh, the next three weeks unpacking uh, those verses. Uh, but briefly this morning, on this Easter Sunday, before we uh, take bread and wine to get actually gluten-free bread and Ribena, but before we share that, um, it's still a holy moment this morning and, and, and finish by worshipping together again. Let's just remind ourselves, you and I were dead in our sins. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then this is your present state. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're alive. Of course we're alive. You can pinch yourself or pinch the person. No, don't pinch the person next to you. Um, we're alive, 
but the scriptures say it's as though we were, we were senseless, we were ignorant uh, of uh, the fact that outside of Jesus we're not truly alive. We're under this sentence, under the judgment of God. It's not the life we were made for. We were made from the beginning for a relationship with God, not this life of rebellion and in, independence and under the, the spirit um, of, of disobedience, which ultimately leads to true death, a life outside of Christ. A life outside of his purposes. An eternity separated from God because of our rejection of Jesus. That's the stark reality of what the scriptures teach. We are dead in our sins, all of us, under Satan's control. Unable to resist the pull and the craving of sin's power. Um, every command of sin we cave into uh, in our thoughts first, in our desires, uh, then ending in our actions, our behaviours, our words, our attitudes. You put a, a box of cream eggs on the table in front of me this afternoon and you'll see how sin works. It goes from a thought and a desire in your mind and ends with an action. That's how sin works, doesn't it? We're unable, Paul says, we're dead. We're unable to resist and respond and there's no way out. But I love this, verse 4. Um, but God who is rich in mercy... Uh, God who is in mercy because his great love for us it's like a, an amazing tipping point it's worth just saying briefly this morning before we move to some application there are two really important truths from scripture that we must not miss or more importantly mustn't overemphasize one over the other so first of all we've been making this point we, we, outside of Christ we're sinners and the Bible says God hates sin something needs to be done about sin. But the other truth is that we're just coming to in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2 is that God loves us. God loves the world so much, the Bible tells us. Uh, and out of his love, he's made a way for sin to be done away with. It's an act of his love. Romans earlier on says, well, but God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you've got the order of things there. God doesn't hate the sinner. He hates sin. While we were still sinners, because of his great love, God, uh, Jesus died for us on the cross. So there are two truths here that seem like they pull us in different directions. They can produce uh, a tension um, uh, that, that we're sinners and God hates sin. It needs to be put right. But God is a God of love and God in his love has made a way for sin to be done away with. Listen, here's where we can get it wrong in our churches. If we forget the love of God, if we just preach hardcore on sin, um, then you end up with a bunch of quite angry Bible legalists. We end up hating the world around us. In fact, we end up hating one another. Become the kind of church where if you come here and you're a guest today, we end up saying things inadvertently like, like, or giving you the impression, hey, God hates you. <laughs> That's not a good impression to give, is it? And it's not a true impression because it's not what the scriptures say. Um, God hates you. God wants to kill you. That, that's the extreme uh, of just focusing uh, on the problem of, of, of sin. So if we forget the, uh, the, 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 that um, and forget the love of God, then that's where we end up if we, if we forget the sin on the other hand. And if we say, oh, that doesn't really matter. We're not really enemies of God. You end up at the other extreme with this kind of cuddly, fluffy, loving liberalism. We've got no need for the cross. Why do we need the cross of Christ? Why do we need a sacrifice for our sins if sin doesn't matter? There's no need for the blood of Jesus. There's no need for communion this morning. There's no need for most of the words in most of the songs. You can start tearing some pages out of your Bible if that's our extreme. There's no need for the death 
of Jesus if we just preach the love of God. So no, we're with Paul in the scriptures. We don't want to tear any pages out, though they are uncomfortable for us at times. Though we have to wrestle with them. We preach Christ crucified. We preach both God's righteousness and his anger against human sin and his unending love, which is deeper and reaches further than we could ever realise and rescues people like you and me from fear of judgment and condemnation. So Paul can say in Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, friends, the Bible teaches us both of these emphases. And so on a day like today, we want to hold both of these truths if we're going to be faithful to the scriptures. That was just worth saying in passing, I think. Just give me a little nod if you're, if you're in agreement with me there. So listen, um, um, who is rich in mercy, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. God's done something. We're on this, uh, uh, like the, I love that Wallace and Gromit movie. Is it The Wrong Trousers? The one where he's on the train that's running away and they're building the trackers. Anyone know that movie or is it just me? It's in my top three movies, that one. Um, we're on this runaway train of sin heading towards judgment, but God has pulled the handbrake on the train in Jesus Christ. We, we've not done it. Um, we, remember, we're dead in our sins, but he has made us alive. Uh, out of his rich mercy, out of his love for us, it's all his work. And what is this work? Well, the Romans passage taught us, gave us some insights there. When we repent and believe in Jesus, when we turn from our sins and we begin to follow Jesus and trust in him for leadership of his life, and we're going to give uh, any of you who are not yet followers of Jesus an opportunity to do that in a few moments' time. When we first take that step uh, and we begin to follow Jesus. Romans teaches us in the passage we've read that we are, it's as though we're placed into the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's as though we go down into his death, down into the grave with him. We leave our old life under the command of sin and death. We leave it in the grave and we rise with Christ in his power into a new life in him. We're not just kind of woken up and, and left stumbling around in the daylight on our own, trying to work out life. Uh, that's not how it is at, at all. Um, the same power, I think we, we sang it this morning, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's a scripture, that's why we sing it. It's great to sing good scripture songs. Love those this morning. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead brings us right up into a new life. Not just a life that has escaped the old, but a new life with new freedoms and new purpose in Jesus Christ. The Romans teaches us if we identify with Jesus in his death in that way, if we've given our lives to him in that way, then we're now able to identify with him in his resurrection life too. Let me just read verse 8 again. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. We, do you believe that this morning? If you're below Jesus, we're, we're commanded to believe that. It's going to bite it, but no, we need to believe it. We believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. You notice this that comes later? In the same way. Whoa. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. In the same way. This is startling. Okay, Jesus has died to death. He's been raised to life. Okay, amazing. Uh, Jesus, you're incredible. Now looks at us, you and me, our ordinary lives. He says, oh, in the same way, the same way Noah, the same way Bill, the same way Anna, count yourselves dead to sin. Reckon yourself. It's an accounting term. Any accountants here? 
Big shout out for the accountants. You don't even want to wave, do you? Yeah, well, hey, well done. Accountants are amazing. Uh, once, hey, there we are. There's a wave at the back. Once a time I was going to be an accountant. Um, uh, that's why Kaz married me. I think she thought I was going to make some money. Um, <laughs> God had other plans. This is an accounting term. Count yourselves. It's you get your abacus out. That's how long ago I studied numbers. Um, get out your calculators. Reckon yourselves. Do the equations, do the, do the math, as our American friends say. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. In other words, Jesus, you've died, so I've died. In other words, Jesus, you've been raised to life. You've walked out of the grave, so I'm walking out of the old life and out of the grave too. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, into this life. And both of these passages go on to teach us that those of us who are alive in Christ, our relationship with sin and even with death, has changed forever. We're lifted up into a, to live a new life with a higher purpose and a higher calling. Um, the Ephesians passage speaks about this transformed life being part of God's workmanship. Life with followers of Jesus being created Christ Jesus, not just to survive as Christians, mostly look and sound like they're still dead, um, uh, and some of us do. Now, we're not called to some zombie half-life Christianity. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, good works, good things, which God has prepared in advance for us. He's, he's scheduled or assigned in advance good things, life-giving things for you and I to live and walk in because we follow Jesus out of the grave. What, what are we waiting for, church? Or believer. Let's follow him out of the grave and begin to live this life. And so, friends, whether you're a follower of Jesus today already, and I'm just encouraging you, hey, let's start to live as though we are, or whether you're here listening to this good news about Jesus, what we call the gospel, maybe you're listening, watching, catching up on, on YouTube, and you don't yet call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus. I'm here today to tell you this good news is true for all of us. Let's just recap before we move to application. We've died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. We get to live for Christ. We've been raised and we're living with him now, today, and forevermore when Jesus returns. Death has died. Sunday, we remind ourselves what's true every other day of our lives. Who sang the old, uh, was it Slade that sang, I wish it could be Christmas every day? Was that Wizard or one of those? I Neil, I'm looking to you here. for. It was, I, got, I, I, I shouldn't have doubted myself in the moment. Um, Neil is our go-to man. Heart, Heart FM, Magic FM, I don't, we've got all the hits. Uh, they sang, I wish it could be Christmas every day. But for the believer, we, we have to wish. It, it's like Easter every day, every single day. Death has died every day. We need to remind ourselves every day. I've died to death. Easter Sunday is like a, it's like a, a, a visual reminder for us as we tell the stories, sing the songs, read the moments, take communion together. It's a funeral to death. I know that can seem illogical because we can look around and say, hey, death is very much alive still. I look out here at this crowd. I know there are people here this year who've lost loved ones, who've died. I've taken some of the funerals. Um, are Christians deluded to say that death has had its funeral? But no, come on, we're not, we're not crazy. We, we know that there will be a death. Unless Jesus returns first, I'm going to die at some point as well. But what we're saying from this conviction in the Scriptures is that the power the authority, the control, the eternal consequences of death outside of Jesus 
have been killed and we, if we're in Christ, have been separated from them forevermore. That's really good news. Uh, disciples, this is how we read the Bible. How, it's how we apply it to our lives. This truth, we reckon ourselves, we bring ourselves, count ourselves in alignment with this Bible truth. If death no longer has mastery over Jesus and 2,000 years ago he broke it when he rolled the stone away and walked out of the grave, then I have also died in Jesus Christ and, and the mastery and victory of death has also been broken in my life. No wonder the old hymns like Wesley could say, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose forth and followed thee. Death doesn't win. There's no grave that will hold me. Jesus walked out of the grave and I'm going to get up and walk out of the risen Jesus because his promises say that I can follow him. Hallelujah. Wow. So some application for us this morning before we invite the the band back. It's twofold this morning. Um, We get to come to Jesus. We get to die to our old lives. We get to live for him. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you could, you could go out of here not just going to a nice lunch and, and to eat your own body weight in, in chocolate. Jean Gay gets a free pass on chocolate today. I was saying to Jean earlier, Jean spent all day in the warmest day of the year so far dressed as Peppa Pig yesterday. So I think as part of a weight loss regime, uh, that's a really good plan. So Jean gets a free pass on chocolate. But for the rest of us, not only do we get to go out and enjoy the rest of our day in the sunshine, but you can pick your assignment, disciples, to live now for Jesus. We, we started 2022 as a church community with 22 days of prayer and fasting for a year of breakthrough. Don't we know these breakthroughs start with disciples like you and me realizing I've died alive with Christ. I've got a job to do. I've got something to carry now in, in Jesus. And I think that's a message that's worth hearing right now. Um, as people who've died to death, we've got a message of hope. For a, Have you noticed right now, have you doom scrolled on the news in the mornings at the moment? The world right now is, is pretty racked by fear. Whatever your brand of politics, whatever particular rabbit hole of conspiracy theory you like to dive down, whether it's war or climate change or cost of living price rises or whether you're thinking about disease and COVID. Hey, there are enough pressures right now on ordinary people like you and me. Never mind the pressures of the world. There's pressure from the devil. There's self-imposed pressure from all the consequences of the past mess that I've made of my life. But if death, the greatest enemy has died. And if I too can die to power and control over my life, then I am really free to live with some hope and some freedom. I think that happens to be quite good news. No wonder Paul said to live is Christ, to die is gain. Even death is part of the good news if you're truly living for Christ. What can hold me if even the chains of death have been broken? We're free to live for him. I'm free to completely give myself to his resurrection purposes for my life, to make him known, to advance his cause around planet Earth. So I said I was into some application. I got distracted uh, again. Um, but let, let's, let's look at two types of application. An internal one, your heart, my heart, and maybe some external application. Listen, if I've, if I've died to sin and death, I now, it, my, my core, I don't know how you identify yourself, South American, Portuguese speaking, male, uh, female, Palace fan, Chelsea fan, um, whatever you may be. If our primary identity now 
is that I'm a disciple of Jesus. I've died in Christ. I'm now alive in Jesus. That's my foundational identity. Everything else is built on that. Then, then why should I give myself to sin and temptation like I used to when I had no control, no power? There's this heart change that begins to happen if we've died to death. I've got this new life now. My old life is in the grave. I've died to all the old passions and desires. To use that Bible phrase, I've been born again. If anyone's in Christ, he's a, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. As Paul says to Galatians, uh, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So if, if Christ is now alive in me by his spirit, if he's restoring to the kind of man that I was designed to be in the image of God, then I, I don't think, do, do I not think rather, that my appetites and my desires can change as I submit to his help. Do I not think that Christ himself will equip me with power to say no to temptation and sin and yes to his desires and his best for my life? I don't know why I do it as a preacher. When I talk about sin and temptation, I point this way. Neil and Tracy are often sat there. And whenever I talk about turning to Jesus, I always point this way. Maybe it's the sunlight that comes in on Sunday morning. Anna, you're representing the life of following Jesus. Neil and Tracy, you've gone over to the dark side. I'm sorry. Um, but really, because um, we think that, that Jesus now can give us because we've Is, is that's not working or are we, are we into this again? Thank you. My voice is fading. Thanks, Justin. Uh, Roy Sullivan. Is he on the screen there? There's Roy. Dear old Roy. Um, he was a park ranger in Virginia. Do you know, um, they say lightning never strikes twice. This guy, Roy um, Sullivan, was struck seven times by lightning in his lifetime. Seven times. Um, apparently, each time it set his hair on fire. Uh, and so whenever he would go out, he would, you can see the burn mark on his hat there. He would always wear his hat. And he always took a flask, a canister of water with him. And, and his friend said he, he was afraid to die every time it was storm season. Funnily enough, other people would stay away from him when it was stormy season. Um, they thought he was some kind of bad omen or some kind of lightning conductor, depending on your worldview in life. He's a remarkable guy. As well as being struck by lightning seven times, Roy Sullivan apparently was attacked by bears on 22 occasions. <laughs> and uh, when he did die in his 70s, it was from a self-inflicted accidental gunshot wound, which isn't funny. Um, but what a life of risk that Roy Sullivan lived. I just wonder, Roy, after the first lightning strike, didn't you think, that I'll get out of the park, I'll go as far away from this, uh, wherever the storms are going to strike as possible. I'll get myself a job in a city in a low-rise office next to a high-rise with a lightning conductor on the roof. I'll stay away from bears. Um, why does someone who's escaped death go back into that situation and stand in a field in a storm? Why do they keep looking for lightning and and bears. Why don't you begin to live with a new direction and purpose for greater gain? I was listening to a worship song this morning at home as I was preparing that said, we've got our life back now in Jesus. Why having risked death with bears and lightning, would you just give your life away again? Disciple, we follow Jesus out of the grave. We're invited to leave our old ways, to walk far away from them, to leave our old desires, to never go back into that territory, to not be the kind of believers that, that, that reduce the power of Christ that's available to us 
so that we live some kind of half-life, always in fear of death or fear of falling back into sin. Don't you know, Jesus is much more powerful than you realise. So when we don't live as though death, death has died, we become like Roy Sullivan with his burned hat and his, his always filled water canister. So many Christians that we know struggle with a fear of death. So many Christians we know are under the anxieties of life, uh, come under the authority of sickness and curses and deep fears. The Bible says, where, O death, is your sting? I have a new life in Jesus. I've followed him out of the grave. We're not living in some kind of unreality, but we've got a hope and a confidence in Jesus now for his protection, for his care, for a sure and certain hope that one day we'll follow him into eternal life because he's already beaten death. And whether I die first or whether I'm caught up in the air to meet him when he returns, this sure and certain promise is for me and for you today when we're in Christ. One of my prayers today is that, that, that Jesus and his resurrection power would break off from believers here any fear of death, any, any uh, mindset in us that, that holds us uh, under depressions and anxieties and fears and sickness and that we come fully to realise I'm now in the indestructible life of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So there's an internal change that goes on in our lives when we know we've walked out of the grave with Jesus. But there's an outward change as well. And let me finish here. It's to do with our lives and our message the early church, and you can read about them in Acts of the Apostles, they followed a raised saviour. It became apparent pretty quickly that these ordinary believers, men and women just like you and me, they no longer feared death. This summer when we head outside, we're going to look at... Uh, that was a, a plot spoiler. We're, we're going to have series two of Garden Church later on this summer, by the way. On days like this, that sounds like a very, very exciting prospect, doesn't it? Um, look forward to that. If you don't know what Garden Church is, then, then, uh, then hang around and you'll find out soon enough, although the clue is in the name. Um, so we're going to be looking at the Axe Church this summer while we're outside in the big back garden uh, together. The, that that, that spirit-filled, resurrection-transformed community no longer feared death, and it affected their life and message. No longer fearing those who opposed them. No longer fearing those who might reject their message or their love for them. I love, you know, I always go on about them. I love reading the old missionary stories. I grew up reading them as a child. Some of these amazing missionaries, particularly some of the, some of the old Pentecostal missionaries from 100 and, 120 years ago uh, now, the earliest ones that would uh, head off to far-flung parts of the world, and rather than packing their few belongings in a trunk or in bags, they would buy a cheap coffin and put their things in a coffin and get a one way ticket to go to some far flung place. They were prepared to live and die for Jesus and for his cause. As, uh, oh, there he is, that's uh, 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 James Calvert. He was a Yorkshireman um, and a, a Methodist missionary. He committed his life, he was called by Jesus to go and take the gospel to the indigenous peoples of the Fijian islands. 1838, sounds, sounds beautiful now. Who, who wouldn't love a, uh, a one-way ticket to Fiji? But not at the time, it was a very dangerous place. On the way there, the, uh, the, voyage, the voyages themselves on the boats were dangerous enough. The captain warned him on the boat to turn back saying, you will lose your life 
and the lives of those with you if you go amongst such savages. This is what Calvert replied to him. He said, we died before we came here. Wow. Here's a man who understands what it means to have died in Christ and been raised to a new assignment and a new purpose in Christ. Friends, I don't know how you are thinking about your life this morning before you came out to church today, but if you're a follower of Jesus... If you've, like me, you've moved into Crawley, maybe you've come from another part of the world, maybe you've lived here all your life, but you've been brought here with an assignment for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know what other pools there are and other concerns there are in our lives, and there are all kinds of important ones, but let me tell you, disciple of Jesus, you died before you came here. Your life is in Jesus Christ now. Calvert understood Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is the most essential and first and foundational act of our discipleship. I've, I've died with Jesus. I've been bur- my old life has been buried with Jesus. I'm dying to self. I'm dying to fear of death and fear of man. These brave men and women like Calvert and others live powerfully for God because they recognize that the greatest barrier to discovering all that God has for us is the power of our old life. And the fear of death. And if we've overcome that church, disciples of Jesus, there's nothing that can stop us. If we live on mission for Jesus with that kind of conviction, there's nothing that can kill us. Of course, Christians around the world today, all over the world, are being killed today for following Jesus. Of course, you can kill a follower of Jesus. Right now, particularly in some Islamic parts of the world, there are more uh, believers that will be killed in this month of Ramadan than at any other time of the year. We're praying for them. Right now, all over the world, these things are happening. But we're raised in Jesus to be fearless for him because Jesus overcame sin and death. And if he walked out of the grave, we get to walk out of the grave too, right into his kingdom assignments for our lives. There's, there's no training program. You pick up your assignment and run the moment you get born again and come out of the grave. There's no fear. We're living and reigning in life. We're leaving pointless sin behind. We get to be generous in our love for each other, free to care for the broken and the lost and the beaten up, able to love our neighbor, whatever our neighbor's background or worldview or lifestyle is. We're able to open our lives, our homes, our hearts. We're able to be bold in sharing Jesus. Disciples, we get to live because we've walked out of the grave with Jesus. Guys, can you come back and just begin to help us? Mary was waiting at the tomb on Resurrection Day, and she was asked the question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I just want to ask you if you're a disciple of Jesus here today, and most of us would be in this room today. Why are you here, disciple? What are you looking for? Jesus has walked out of the grave. We get to arise The same command, the same power that brought Jesus to life is at work in us. You get to walk through those doors, maybe stop for cake and coffee on the way, but when you walk out the doors, you get to your car, you walk home, take a bus, get on with the rest of your life. You get to leave your old life behind. You get to leave sin behind. You get to leave fear and fear of death behind. And you get to go out and live now for Jesus in the world with all the power of his spirit alive in you and bursting out of you and carrying urgently in your hands your assignment to really live and live abundantly for Jesus. Let me hear an amen, please. Why don't we stand up together? Wow. I just said I would, uh, a few minutes ago, I'd invite you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and you're ready to follow Jesus this morning, just to pray a prayer with me now. 
And then I'm going to invite you to come to the table with the rest of the, with the other disciples of, of Jesus. This, this bread and wine it represents the blood of Jesus spilt for our sins on the cross. And the bread represents his broken body, gluten-free bread, but the, the fully broken body of Jesus on the cross for us. This is a, a meal for believers to take. Um, but you don't have to exclude yourself if you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Come to the table and become a follower of Jesus this morning. That's your first step. And go out of here picking up your new assignment for him. You can identify in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus for the first time today. I just want to pray with you. Why doesn't everyone just close their eyes for a moment? And maybe just for the one or two here or those that are online, uh, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. You can all say these words with me. If you're not ready to say them, don't say them out loud. I don't want to put words in your mouth. We're not salesmen. But if you know, Jesus, I need to follow you. I'm ready to repent of my sins. I want to walk into this life. I'm sick of just being pulled and towed and directed by sin and the old life. I I must come into a new life and your power. If you're ready to pray that way with me, then just say these words out loud with me now. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Maybe there's something specific you're just thinking about right now. Just say quietly to God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Okay, let's pray together again. Please forgive me, Jesus. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died for me on the cross so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just while everyone's got their eyes closed, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, can you just wave your hand for me so I can see? It'd be great uh, if you're waving on YouTube. That doesn't help me, but send us a message. That'd be good to see. Thank you. It's great. Well done. The Bible says that, I, I don't know what's going on right now as you're waving your hand at me, but the Bible says, here's a promise you can also count on and align yourself with. You've just become a follower of Jesus. That's amazing. Uh, anyone else just want to wave their hand in the air? And let me know you've prayed that prayer for the first time and meant it this morning. This is where you think, I I scratch my nose. Does he think I'm waving? No, it's okay. It's not like an auction. You haven't just bought something. It's okay. Well, praise God. We really celebrate that. That's good news. Thank you, Jesus. And for the rest of us believers, um, I'm going to invite you to get up out of your seats as we worship. And maybe we can just pull these tables forward a bit so we can get around them and still be fairly kind of COVID-y compliant. And I'm going to invite you, come around the table. Come and take this bread, this, uh, this juice, this blood, this body of Jesus, this sacrifice for my sin and your sin. You're a disciple of Jesus. You're no longer dead in your sins. <laughs> You've now come into this love of Jesus Christ. He's made a way. His body's been broken in my place. As you take your bread and wine, as you drink and eat, as you walk back to your seat, you could be saying to yourself, Jesus, not only am I alive in you now, but I'm, I'm, I'm carrying my new kingdom assignment out of here today. Why don't you pray that way? Why don't you prophesy over yourself? I want to walk in this assignment. I want to walk in these good works that you prepared in advance for me 
to do. I'm going to follow you into true life. Come on, let's come to the table. If you're becoming a follower of Jesus, you can come to the table as well. Come, 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 welcome. Come to the table. It's free. (laughs) Come and eat, come and drink. Come and celebrate. Come and thank Jesus. Come and smile. Come and share it with someone. Come and tell them, Jesus loves you. Your sins are gone. You're free to live a new life. The power of sin has been broken. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, there are some of you still saying, should I come today? Should I come to the table? Yeah, come take Jesus. He's so full of love. Remember, God who's rich in mercy. There's a moment where you come. You come out from under his judgment. Come to Jesus today. We can help you take the next steps, but come today. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, this beautiful moment. Just feel free to pray, to worship. If you want to pray with a friend that's with you, say thank you to Jesus for some stuff. If you want to pray about your assignment, pray about that. Just go for it here. Thank you, Jesus.